It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. I'm Joe Mott. I'm pleased you are listening today. I pray you are well. To this point, I've given five of eight reasons we should be involved in pre-evangelism slash apologetics. I've implied that we cannot believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God except on the logical prior premise that there is a God who can have a Son. The Bible cannot be the Word of God unless there is a God who can speak. The miraculous acts of God, like the creation and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, cannot make sense unless there exists a God who can act miraculously. Let us not be content to believe blindly or unreasonably in Christianity. Instead, Study the claims of Scripture and investigate whether they are actually true. We don't need to be afraid of what we might discover. Scripture teaches that truth is the highest goal of any investigation. Since Christianity can be shown to be true in its essential claims, reality is on our side. We just need to find appropriate evidence to answer the questions we are asked about the hope within us. I came to Christ when I was 11 years old because I trusted my mother and the minister with whom I had been talking. Now, after all these years, I am still a Christian because I have experienced something I don't want to give up. A relationship, a contentment, a hope, an assurance, a dream, a peace, a joy, a righteousness, a security, a home. Now I believe Christianity is true, not because it works for me, but because I have investigated its core claims and discovered there are good reasons to believe they are true. Ultimately, no matter what is keeping you from believing now, check to see if those matters are true. You could be believing a lie you told yourself, or you bought into someone else's lie. If those things are not really true, I pray that that discovery will open up a way for you to trust in Christ as Savior. I'm willing to help, if you wish. Should you desire to talk with me by phone, contact the station. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Found in John 8, verses 31 and 32. When all is said and done, it's the truth that matters. Let me continue to give reasons 6 through 8, which why we should be involved in apologetics. The sixth reason is results confirm it. Many notable conversions have come about precisely by use of apologetics, including that of St. Augustine. See his book, Confessions. The lawyer, Frank Morrison, author of Who Moved the Stone, the skeptical Chicago Tribune journalist and attorney, Lee Strobel, who wrote The Case for Christ, Josh McDowell, author of New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and the Los Angeles County cold case detective, J. Warner Wallace, who wrote Cold Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene, and forensic faith. When I was in college, the two best-known atheists in the world were Anthony Flew and Bertrand Russell. But in 2004, after a debate with William Lane Craig, commemorating the 50th anniversary of a debate with Russell and Catholic Jesuit priest, philosopher, and historian of philosophy, Frederick Copleston, Flew shocked the world by announcing that he had become a theist. Afterward, he wrote this, Nor do I claim to have had any personal experience of God or any experience that may be called supernatural or miraculous. In short, my discovery of the divine has been a pilgrimage of reason and not faith. The seventh reason we should be involved in apologetics is individuals are adrift without it. I remind you of a quote by Austin Farrer, who was an admirer of and a writer about C.S. Lewis. He said, for though argument does not create conviction, the lack of it destroys belief. What seems to be proved may not be embraced, but what no one shows the ability to defend is quickly abandoned. As Augustine put it, what is believing but consenting to the truth of what is said? And this consenting is certainly voluntary. C.S. Lewis explained, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way not doing these in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already, not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, 
but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because our first gleam of heaven is already inside you. Faith's definition is a heart's response based on the evidence of the Word of God, trusting in the character of God, resting in the power of God, relying on the grace of God in response to the Spirit of God, proceeding from a heart devoted to God and a will committed to obeying God, a holy passion to please God, and a determined intention to draw near to worship and submit all that we are to God. Faith is an act of the will directed by truth to an object which is itself real. Here is my definition, an extension of one by Watchman Nee. Faith is an act of believing God's word, an attitude of trusting God's heart of love, mercy, and grace, manifesting in the person and work of Jesus Christ, culminating in acquiescing that God alone is God and an admission that I need Him. It is an answer to God's call to enter into a covenant relationship with Him, an acknowledgement of God's Lordship, an affirmation of my dependence on God's ability and grace, an avenue for the application of all the benefits of the cross of Calvary to my life, issuing in an aptitude of hearing God's voice and responding to God's Spirit, an awareness of God's presence, an assurance of God's benevolence and faithfulness, ultimately leading to the adoration of God's person. Admittedly, apologetic argument may not create belief, but it creates the atmosphere in which belief can come to life. Because the apologetically created atmosphere does not alone create life, is it therefore useless? Because apologetics does not alone successfully create convictions, is apologetics therefore pointless? Here's my point. Many factors may contribute to persuasion, but these other factors do not replace sound reasoning, argument, and evidence. Individuals are the focus of God's redemptive work. God called out to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 verse 9 and said, Where are you? He is calling you too. He's calling you by name and asking you the same question. Where are you? Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They gave various answers, but then Jesus asked a far more pungent question. But whom do you say that I am? That's in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Jesus is asking you the same question today. Whom do you say that Jesus is? In speaking to the individual Zacchaeus, 
Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Found in Luke 19 verses 5 through 10. The Apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. That's in 1 Timothy 1 verses 15b to 16. <clears throat> I'm speaking now to those who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You can't wander too far, do too much, and disappoint so embarrassingly that God can't forgive you and save you. Think King David and the Apostle Paul. You're not abandoned. You're not unseen. You're not God forgotten. You're not outside his purview. Rather, you've forgotten him. You've lost your way because you have never considered following him. Are you dissatisfied with your, the story you have written so far for yourself? Do you remember when you were young playing outside your yard and you heard the faint call of your mother to come home to dinner? When you were in a place of solitude, can you hear the, the echo of that call to come home? Could it be that God is calling you home to Him? His presence is closer than you or I think. At this very moment, we're on His mind. When Jesus was on the cross, we were on His mind. That's why today salvation can come to your house. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.